Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin.
Well, amen. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the 26th chapter of the book of Matthew. We'll be looking at the last uh, several verses there. The final week, the rest of the trial, and the denial. Amen. So Matthew chapter 26. And beginning there at uh, verse 57 in Matthew 26. And those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found them. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, He is deserving of death. Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are also one of them, for your speech betrays you. And he began to curse and to swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Our Father in God, we come to you and ask that you, O Lord, Speak to each of our hearts today, and by your Holy Spirit, illuminate our understanding. Touch us as only you can. Father, we pray that as we study your Holy Word, that we will do so in a manner that brings honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us so. In his holy name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. The final week. The final week. And so, the Lord Jesus is arrested and brought before the chief priest. Now, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus is treated like a common criminal. And right there in this, uh, this same chapter, we read that Judas, of course, betrayed the Lord Jesus, and he had given a sign that the one that he would go up to and, and uh, greet with a kiss was, in fact, the Lord Jesus. And so the mob comes out and they arrest the Lord Jesus. And he's taken to the home of the chief priest, Caiaphas. And it was a pretty fancy home, and it was built uh, according to, uh, to the time. He had a courtyard with you know, fancy gates and, and such. And the Sanhedrin gathered to hold a mock trial. And oftentimes they're referred to as the council. It was the council of 70 or 71. The council referred to as the Sanhedrin, or what might be considered the Supreme Court of, of Israel at the time. They, they judged all matters, both civil and religious. But what's so interesting is you have all of these leaders, elders, and priests, religious folk, if you will, and they sought false testimony against Jesus. Their purpose, their purpose was to find a charge for which they could sentence him to death. Not to discover the truth, you understand, but to find charges that they could level against him and so then convict him and sentence him to death. You see, the Sanhedrin, the, the religious leaders, were under the control of the Roman authorities. And so before they could bring Jesus to the Roman authorities, they had to have a charge that would stick, that the Roman authorities would also agree and say, yes, he's deserving of death. That was their goal, not to discover the truth, but to put this person to death. We see much of that going on in our own country today. Instead of people seeking to know the truth, just tell us anything that you can that we might be able to use in a court of law to convict people. And then those who are guilty of so many different crimes are allowed to go free. And we'll see that also as we look further and further in the coming weeks with respect to the crucifixion and Barabbas, as you may be well aware. Now, as they interviewed these witnesses, the testimony of the witnesses differed and was not usable in this particular mock trial. And the Lord Jesus, second point here is that 
He's convicted for telling the truth. Have you ever been held accountable and treated poorly for telling the truth? Do you know what that's like? For telling the truth. I was once uh, pulled to the superintendent's office for some things that I had said. And uh, so in this discussion, I just simply said to the superintendent, I said, so do you want me to lie to the people or do you want me to tell them the truth? <laughs> he, was, he was really disturbed by that. <laughs> he said, well, 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 of course I want you to tell them the truth. I said, okay. That's all I did, was I told them the truth. These false witnesses misinterpreted and misrepresented Christ's teaching. Over in the, the Gospel of John, the Lord, during his earthly ministry, had preached and said, destroy this temple. And he was referring to the temple of his body. And I will raise it up in three days. But what they said here was that he claimed that he could destroy the temple of God and then rebuild it in three days, which was not what he actually said. And you see, to speak against the temple of the Lord was sacrilegious. And so the chief priest, he challenges Jesus to respond. And notice that Jesus, he just holds his peace. Because Jesus was in full control of the entire situation. And he was in control of, his, of himself. But he also knew that it didn't matter what he would say. Because their purpose was to find a charge for which they could condemn him to death. But the chief priest had a certain authority. And uh, there was what was referred to as the oath of testimony. That is, the oath before God. And isn't it interesting that in our courts of law, that we still use that same oath? <coughs> And I, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't been in court in a long time, okay? <laughs> but I, do they still put their hand on the Bible in the court of law and say that uh, they promised to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me, God? Okay. And you see, the chief priest, Caiaphas, then charged Jesus with this oath of testimony before the living God to tell the truth. And he very clearly says, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you claiming to be the Son of God? And so what does Jesus do? He says, it is as you said. And then he doesn't stop there, does he? Verse 64. Jesus said to him, It is as you said, 
Nevertheless, and so he doesn't, he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he elaborates. Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus is quoting from the book of Daniel and also from Psalm 110, verse 1. Because he is the king. Because he is the savior. Because he is the Messiah. And he cannot deny himself. God cannot deny himself. The Lord Jesus, before the chief priests and all those there, and before God his Father, placed under the oath of testimony, speaks the truth. He is, in fact, the Son of God. He is, in fact, the Messiah. There is no other Messiah. This week, I had uh, some time and I was watching some interviews being conducted over in Israel by some young Jewish uh, Christians. And they refer to themselves as Messianic Jews. And the, the title was The Forbidden Chapter. And what is that forbidden chapter? The forbidden chapter is Isaiah chapter 53, which the rabbis refuse to teach to the people. And so what these, uh, these uh, young Jewish guys were doing as people were you know, walking on the street, maybe going to lunch and those kinds of things, they would, they would stop a person and speaking in Hebrew, they were, uh, they were conversing one with, with another, and then they would, they would ask them, are you familiar with the prophet Isaiah? And some would say, well, you know, I, I haven't read the Bible all the way through. And, and but then others would say, well, yes, yes. I've read the Tanakh. That's the, uh, the, uh, the title of the Old Testament. What we refer to as the Old Testament, the Jewish people refer to as the Tanakh. And uh, so then they would ask the, the next question. Well, are you familiar with chapter 53? And they all would say, no. So then they would ask, well, would you mind if we, if we read through chapter 53 together? And they would say, well, no, well, that, we, that's okay, that's fine, yeah. And so they would read a few verses, and then a few more verses. And then ask the question, who is this chapter referring to? And every single one of them said, well, it's, re it's referring to the Messiah. And then they would ask the next question, well, do you know anyone in history who fulfills all of these requirements? And they would say, no, no. And then they would talk about the New Testament. And they would ask, have you ever read the New Testament? No. <laughs> no. And, this, and then they would say, well, do you mind if we just read a little here? And it reminded me of 
Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember we looked at that a few weeks ago? And amazingly, as they read and compared, they agreed, Jesus of the New Testament fulfilled what was written in chapter 53 of Isaiah. Very interesting, one lady said, oh, that's very interesting. She said, I, 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 didn't, I didn't realize that. And another Jewish man said, you know, I always thought that the, the New Testament was a book that taught people are supposed to hate the Jews. And I learned now that it's completely the opposite. That, that the founder of, of Christianity was in fact Jewish himself. And his followers were Jewish. And it teaches that we're to love the Jews and we're to love Israel. And that you see believers come in all stripes and colors. There are unbelievers among the Jews and there are unbelievers among the Gentiles. Ah, oh, but there are also believers among the Jews and believers among the Gentiles. And there is but one Messiah. His name is Jesus Christ, and he told the truth. But they charged him with blasphemy and sentenced him to death. And you notice that he, he stood there silent. And over in chapter 53 of Isaiah, it says, He opened not his mouth. Like a, like a little lamb or a sheep taken to the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. Well, moving on. Notice that not only do they convict him and say that he's worthy of death, then they begin to beat him and to torture him and to slap him around and to, to spit upon himself, up, upon his face. And then they, they, they wrap this you know, blindfold around him and they, they punch him. And then they say, well, who was that, that that just struck you? Because certainly, if you are, in fact, the son of God, then you, you know all things. And you would know who it was that hit you. Can you imagine? Now what is also so disturbing is these particular people were supposed to be those who, who sought the truth. But now we see another trial, if you will, a different, a different type of trial. Peter. Peter's relationship with Jesus is challenged, or it's, it's put on trial, if you will. And the Bible says that uh, he followed at a distance. That was his first mistake. He followed at a distance. And the servant girl. Now, uh, the Bible is, is it's so interesting because uh, tradition has it that Peter was a, a, a large man and very rugged man. 
And here this little servant girl challenges him <laughs> and says, uh, you're one of them, aren't you? And what does Peter do? I don't know him. Never heard of him. <laughs> and if that wasn't bad enough, another girl. You notice that? Another girl. Makes the point, another girl comes along and calls into question Peter's relationship with Jesus. And he says, no, 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 you're mistaken. I, 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 don't, I don't know him. And then a group of people challenge Peter. What does he do? The Bible says he begins to curse and to swear. Now their, their charge to Peter was this. No, you're a Galilean. Now how did they know that he was a Galilean? Were they racist? Think about it. You know that God has created the human body and given it, given it tremendous ability. Tremendous ability. So that you can detect various accents. It's not a matter of racism that they, you know, they keep peddling this stuff on TV. And, and, no. We are given the ability to detect with the ear. That's how we can tell the difference also between pitches. Between a C and a D and a C sharp and a B flat, etc., etc. We can tell the difference. And they could tell the difference. They knew that he was a Galilean. Why? Because of his accent. It wasn't because they were racist. It was because they were using the very thing that God had given them to use, their ears. And they said, no, you're a Galilean. And he began to curse and to swear. I do not know the man. And how sad. That rooster crowed. Now the scripture says in the other gospels that Jesus was a distance away from Peter. And when that happened, that they met eyes. Eye to eye. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now why did Peter weep? Why did he weep? He wept because he knew that the, that the Lord Jesus was in fact the Son of God and he had betrayed him. He was so boastful about how he was going to be the one. If all the others fall away, he would not. And here are two little servant girls and some people challenge him and what does he do? He denies him. Now it's important to note that Peter and his failure is actually in here. It's actually recorded for us. Even though Peter went on to become what is referred to as the Dean of the Apostles, yet the church did not, did not deny the fact that Peter failed miserably and denied his Lord. You notice that? Kind of like with David and with Moses and the rest of them. Peter's failure is recorded in the New Testament because it actually happened. 
We, as God's people, are not to deny the truth. We are to tell the truth. And Peter cried tears of remorse and repentance, and he was restored. And you can read of that in John chapter 21. Jesus restored Peter. Peter, do you love me? The three times. And you know the story. Peter was crucified. Upside down. Because he was a servant of the Lord. He was restored. Very different from Judas. Judas betrayed the Lord. He denied the Lord. But what did he do? Instead of repenting, he was sorry for what he had done. He recognized what he had done was wrong. And instead of repenting, he killed himself. He was not restored. And you can read of that in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 15 through 25. And you'll recall that Jesus said, it was better for him to have never been born. Oh. So what do we learn from these passages? God's word concerning the suffering Messiah was fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. All you have to do is open up the prophet Isaiah chapter 53 and read it. Once I was doing a wedding uh, downtown and, uh, oh, I forget his name now. Uh, uh, rabbi, and, uh, and he had a wedding to do as well. And so after we talked a little bit, and I asked him about Isaiah 53. <laughs> this is several years ago. And he said, well, I'll get back with you. <laughs> I'll get back with you. <laughs> and we kind of chuckled a little bit. But Isaiah chapter 53, read it. Written some 800 years before the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth. And I like one of the other things, too, that the, uh, the young man pointed out to folks. He said, you know that... The Bible teaches, and in the book of Daniel, you find this, that the Messiah had to come before the destruction of the second temple. And you'll recall that when Jesus came to Jerusalem at the final week, he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her, her brood. But because you did not know the time of your visitation. You see, because it's outlined in the book of Daniel when he would come. But they struggled with this. Why? Because he's described in two different ways. He's described as the suffering servant, but also as the conquering king. But he had to come the first time as the suffering servant to go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. But he will come back in the future as the conquering king. And that is what he told these people in this trial. That he would come back. That he is going to heaven. And he used the term the son of man because that is the highest term that can be used. The son of man. He is the redeemer. The son of God. The Ancient of Days, 
the deliverer. And the day will come when he will return to claim what is rightfully his. And how sad those who proclaim to know the true God did not recognize him when he stood before them. And over in John chapter 1, it says, verse 11, He came to his own, and his own received him not. And then we're not called to follow Jesus at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. We're not called to follow the Lord at a distance. We're to continuously abide in. That is to draw closer to him every day. Every day. And then our relationship with Jesus will be tested in various ways. Just like Peter's. Just like Peter's. And you know what? It may mean that you might lose a job. I can't tell you the number of times that they threatened me in, in the school district because I made no secret about being a Christian and about my position and what I believe to be true. They asked me what, uh, what I believed a family was. I said, I tell you what, I'll tell you what a family is. A family is made up of a, of a father and a mother who then care for their children. And oh, they just, they, they just got crazy. But that is true. And ladies, here is also the truth. You will never be, nor can you ever be, a father. Just as the men cannot be a mother. This idea that the woman can be both the, the, the mother and the father is false. That's a lie straight out of hell itself. We are to proclaim the truth. And we are to stand up for the truth. And our relationship with, with Jesus will be tested in various ways. Yes, we have an encouraging promise from God in his holy word. And what is that promise? There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God will with the temptation also provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That is to be victorious if you will depend upon this. God's holy word, his truth on him. Not given in. People would say, aren't you worried you're going to lose your job? And say, well, if I lose my job, God will provide me with another. And God in his graciousness and in his mercy and in his kindness and goodness has always provided and he will continue to provide because that's the kind of God that he is. We don't, we don't take that for granted or as the Bible says, a presumptuously. No. But by faith, we depend upon him. Upon him. And when we stand up for his truth, we may suffer just as our Lord suffered. He told us, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And so, as we come to a close here, we're going to sing a hymn of invitation, Living for Jesus.
And you need to ask yourself, if you're here today and you've never received him as your Savior, what are you waiting for? You know that you're a sinner because we're all sinners. And the Bible teaches that God loves you. That's why he sent his son. And then some are what we would refer to as attenders. You know the Lord is your Savior, but you, you attend. But we want to encourage you to pray about whether or not you should officially join and become a member. And why is membership so important? Because then you have a voice and you're able to vote. You're able to share those things that God puts on your heart. You see, together we are the children, the family of God, and, and the church is his church. It's not the pastor's church. It's not the deacon's church. It's the Lord's church. And so let's stand, please, and as we sing, you come. You make your commitment to the Lord today. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.